भद्रम करने भी श्रृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येमाक्षभर्यजत्रा स्थिरंगुष्टुवागम सस्तनु व्यशेम देवित यदायु स्वस्ति न इंद्रो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्ति नूषा विश्वेदा स्वस्ति नाक्षो अरिष्टनेमी स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओं शातिशातिशा So we are studying the fourth chapter of the Mandukya, the Alata Shanti Prakaranam, uh, which is, uh, if you translate it, it translates into quenching the firebrand. And now we know why the the name has been given, why this strange name has been given to the chapter, quenching the firebrand, because the firebrand example has now come. Um, we saw how gorapada takes up this firebrand example that uh, if you take a firebrand it's just like a you know like a stick with a flaming tip like a torch or something and you wave it around you'll get various patterns you know like you see circles you don't just see a tip you see a, like a circle you see like a wave a zigzag so riju vakra riju means straight line vakra means zigzag patterns lots of lots of patterns are generated if you wave uh, like this uh, this firebrand in a uh, in darkness in a dark room maybe or uh, in the evening outside um and we realize so i told you the the characteristics of the firebrand it is luminous you it reveals itself you don't need another firebrand to see a firebrand it reveals itself and it reveals other things like light or fire it reveals other things luminous uh, just like that brahman or consciousness is also luminous it is self aware and aware of everything else second is the firebrand is um it itself appears as the um the patterns you see at first the language of cause and effect is used that the firebrand produces the patterns but gorapada soon tells us that actually nothing has really happened it's the firebrand is still the firebrand and there is no new thing called a pattern it just looks like circles and waves and lines um and uh, also the fire firebrand itself is the reality and the uh, patterns are dependent in the language of vedanta firebrand is the truth and the patterns are appearances firebrand satyam pattern mithya in the same way consciousness appears as a multiplicity though it is one it appears as a multi- oh there's another point the firebrand is one patterns are many patterns are many and changing and impermanent the firebrand is one unchanging and permanent with respect to the p- patterns similarly consciousness is one but it appears as many which are always changing and impermanent uh, but the consciousness is one unchanging and permanent so these are the uh, the um, similarities uh, also uh, the firebrand is the reality which appears as different patterns abhasa uh, al- alata means the firebrand in sanskrit for appearances is patterns is abhasa similarly consciousness is one the turiya but it appears as many and it is the reality which appears as the false appearances of the world of all beings and this this world so this is the example now what do you do with this just as you notice that 
all this multiplicity of patterns is nothing but the one firebrand. In the same way, we are invited to notice the multiplicity that we experience in our waking lives, in our dream lives and in a potential form in deep sleep. The same multiplicity is there in the deep sleep but in a potential form. So that multiplicity is actually one consciousness, the thurium. From the perspective of the firebrand, uh, the patterns are it's non-dual. There is no second reality apart from the firebrand. From the perspective of thurium, it is non-dual because there is all that appears, the multiplicity is not actually a second. So you realize the non-dual nature of consciousness and I am that consciousness. So firebrand is just an example. He is not saying that you are a firebrand. <laughs> you, are a, you are consciousness which is non-dual and the entire universe is your appearance. Um, here he uses the word spanda, vibration of consciousness, which is a strange word to use in Advaita, but it's, it's very common in Kashmiri Shaivism. Yesterday, I think uh, uh, Rakesh Kolji uh, made a comment that uh, it, is, it feels strange to use something that is generated in time to negate something that's generated in space. So I was thinking about that and I got it, what, what you meant. I think that's what he meant. Um, the patterns in the firebrand are not projected at once. It is when you see the movement of the firebrand over time that you begin to see circles and so, so yes, that's a very interesting insight. The firebrand example is a, is a uh, kind of projection through time, whereas a movie example, the examples we use in Vedanta, uh, movie example, movie example is we use now, they didn't use at that time, uh, the example of um, uh, snake in the rope or mirage, they're basically appearances in space. You see the, the point of the, the, uh, the uh, question, whereas here also one thing, in the firebrand example also, one thing is appearing as many, but only over time and not in a particular space. Um, regardless, notice from the point of consciousness, it's still the same because both time and space are also projected by consciousness. So consciousness is not that consciousness, there is space and consciousness now appears as many or there is time and consciousness like a firebrand appears as many. No, both time and space and objects all are projected by consciousness. Um, so it's good to use a time-based example, but which is also why it's a favorite example for Buddhists. Which example? The firebrand example. It's a favorite example for Vigyanavada Buddhists. Remember, they are the ones who said it's flashes of consciousness, a series of flashes of consciousness. And that's why they love this firebrand example, Alata example. Again, one more reason to accuse Gaudapada of being Buddhistic. Okay. Um, now let us go on. Fifty-five, verse number, karika number fifty-five. Yavadhetu phalavesha, tavadhetu phalodbhava. Kshine hetu phala veshe, nasti hetu bhava. Let me use the online translation. Kambiran, yes. Cause and effect spring into being, so long as there is a mental preoccupation with cause and effect. There is no origination of cause and effect when the engrossment with cause and effect becomes attenuated. Okay. Behind the dry philosophical language, what 
Gaudapada is saying is not at all very different from the standard Advaita that we learn. Notice Swami Vivekananda's, the thing which I quote many times about the law of karma. Uh, good, good, bad, bad and none escape the law. So, Punya leads to Sukha, good leads to good means, uh, Punya means merit leads to the pleasant, pleasant is Sukha. And the Papa, Papa means sin or demerit, it leads to Dukkha, which means the unpleasant or the suffering. And this is what Swami Vivekananda says, good, good, bad, bad. And none escape the law, we are all trapped in this law. This is exactly what Gaudapada is saying here. He is not as radical as he seems at, at first glance, you know. Right now, see what is he saying? Yavadhetu phalavesha, tavadhetu phalodbhava. As long as you have this paradigm that there is hetu, karma, phala, the result of karma. Good, good, bad, bad. Till that, and so long will you be in the cycle of karma. As long as you have this paradigm of cause and effect, so long will you be trapped in the cycle of karma. Um, Swami Vivekananda goes on, uh, no one who, uh, who wears a form, uh, uh, what is the exact line, those who wear the form, they wear the chain too, chain yes. So the form means name and form, this body, it is produced by past karma, it's a, it's a, um, it, it is part of my past karma has become the prarabdha karma which has produced this particular body and the events of this life. So if you are in a body, and we are all in a body embodied, so all the major events, big, good and bad, what are happening to us and what have happened to us and what will happen to us in this life are being generated by Prarabdha Karma. Um, that is the chain. In another place, Swami Vivekananda says that, um, um, that slave is slave, caressed or whipped, uh, that you are still bound by karma. Um, he says, chains though of gold are not less strong to bind. Even if, if you have good karma, you have a very pleasant life, things are going very well, um, still you are bound. So this is called bondage and this Gaurapada says, Hetu Phala Vesha, this paradigm of cause and effect, karma and its results. But then Swami Vivekananda says, far beyond is Atman ever free, know thou art that. Thou art that. Sanyasi board, say Om Tatsat Om. Far beyond is Atman ever free, but far beyond where? Is it far beyond in space? No, Atman means self. So, you know, what self? It's usually capital S. Am I? Can I be that capital S self? It's you. When you say Atman self with a capital S, it just means you. So when you say you are far beyond, far beyond what? Far beyond this realm of ignorance. Not physically separated. You are right there. It's, you are not separated by time. It's not that after a long time you will be beyond karma. No, right now you are, you are there. You are beyond karma right now. The self, the Atman which is beyond karma is right here, right now and it's you. So, why am I trapped? He says, know thou art that. Swamiji says, Swami Vivekananda, you have to know that you are that self. We don't know it. We just, we take it that we are this body and mind. Gaurapada will have more to say. What happens when you know it? Then he's, Gaurapada, if you read Gaurapada with, along with Swamiji, Kshine Hetu Palavesha, the paradigm of cause and effect, the paradigm of karma, that becomes attenuated, that begins to loosen. You begin to see 
I am not caught up by this. This is part of the movie which is projected. This is, these are the patterns projected by the firebrand and I am the firebrand. Neither the cause nor the effect are real. They are my own projections. I transcend them. Uh, I am not something trapped in them. So because of my past karma, bad karma, now a lion is chasing me. I am referring to my dream. Um, and because of my good karma, I was saved from being eaten by the lion. So this is uh, my, if this is my idea, I am still trapped within law, karma. But if I realize the whole thing, the lion and the unpleasantness and the eventual escape, all of that is an appearance, name and form in consciousness which I am. These are patterns being, by, uh, being generated or appearing because the firebrand is being whirled around. They have no substantial reality of their own. Karma works. See, karma is not being denied. It's not that we're just letting go of the law of karma. What we are saying is there is a deeper reality than the law of karma. It's like in the movie, there is a plot. Within the movie, there is a plot. There are reasons why things happen, why the hero suffers and all of that is there. It's, it's a well-worked out plot, a tragedy or a comedy or whatever. But what Gaudapada is saying, you have to realize it's a movie. Then only you are free from that plot. Otherwise, you are trapped in that plot. That's what he's saying here. Far beyond, at the risk of contradicting Swami Vivekananda, he'll say, not far beyond, right here. Ishopanishad says, tad dure tadu antike. In the Ishopanishad, it said, it is far and it is close. The Atman is very far and it's very close, closer than the closest. How do you reconcile this paradox? Often, Vedanta is expressed in paradoxical language. And you have to understand it. It's not just for sounding cool, you know, like, like a quotable quote. Uh, the reali your reality is far beyond you and, and the is further than the farthest, closer than the closest. Uh, no, it has a clear meaning. One sadhu once said, it, this was in Haridwar, uh, very nice. I'll tell you the original thing in Hindi and translate. Mahatma ji, jab do viruddh baat, baat ek saath samaj mein aavegi, tab advait pakad mein aavega. He says, O Swami, when two absolutely contradictory teachings are understood, are reconciled and understood together as being perfectly reasonable, then you will understand advaita. So it's further than the furthest, closer than the closest. How? Shankaracharya comments there in the Isha Upanishad. For those who do not know that I am this pure consciousness, for them, it seems to be farther than the furthest. What pure consciousness, what Turi, I have no idea. What are you talking about? What Brahman and all of this? For those who know, it's the most obvious thing. Most obvious thing. You know, Advaita, something like the teachings of uh, Gaudapada in Mandukya. If you approach it, the first it seems to be something, you know, like when people first approach it, oh, it's something to do with religion, it's something religious. As you come closer, it seems to be um, mystical. Religious, yes, but it's something that you have to experience for yourself. By some esoteric practice, some extraordinary experience will come to you. Most people think like that. And then you will be the Turiya. Even closer if you understand, no, it's a... It's, it's, a, it's a spiritual philosophy. It step by step guides you based on your experience, takes you by the hand step by step and shows you something, gives you an insight into your present reality. 
not a religion based on faith not an extraordinary mystical experience right now right here there is something which we don't have an insight into and and this shows you that that gives you that insight and you see oh that's what it is and when you really really understand it when you really got it it's no longer a religion it's no longer uh, mystical experiences no longer even even philosophical insight it's just an accurate description of the enlightened person's experience that's just the way it, it seems to so the enlightened person if you it's like saying here is a book if you give a, a statement here is a book exactly like that to the enlightened person if you say you are the turiya neither the uh, inner consciousness nor the outward nor the uh, i mean not the waker not the dreamer not the deep sleeper uh, beyond uh, sight smell touch um, so the seventh mantra prapanchopashamam shivam advaitam uh, the cessation of the universe full of asp- uh, all auspiciousness non dual uh forever beyond suffering so all that seems to be the just the very accurate description of exactly what what is what the enlightened person is experiencing effortlessly all the time all the time okay just just by the way um i think i did i get distracted uh distracted so what i was saying is once one gets an insight into this reality one one realizes one is beyond uh, karma so the karma still works in the um, manifested universe the movie is still appearing but you realize the movie as a movie now a question may be asked so if you are in the paradigm of karma what is the harm i'm not asking shankaracharya is asking in the commentary to link it with the next verse next karika what is the harm if um, we are in the paradigm of karma 56 yavadhetu phalavesha samsara tavadayata kshine hetu phalaveshe samsaram na prapadyate so what's the harm if we are in the karma paradigm if you are in the paradigm of cause and effect as long as there is a mental preoccupation with causality so long does samsara continue when the engrossment with causality is exhausted one does not attain samsara or one is not trapped in samsara gambhiranji translates as worldly state i just said samsara which is gaudapada's original word um so people have questions yes do keep um, do raise your hands or write down the question in the chat and the way we will do it today is i will keep on speaking for a little while more a couple of more verses then i'll stop and i'll discuss it and these are important verses and then i'll start again from and speak and take up a few more verses then stop and finally conclude with the remaining questions uh, and observations so yes what did gaudapada say what is the harm if you are in in cause and effect the harm is samsara you say all right samsara is fine no it is not <laughs> samsara is not fine uh, if you are in a dream samsara there is a lion chasing you uh, you wake up from that oh this is all right now no covid 19 is chasing you now here in uh, in a waking state samsara you are always being chased around Uh, there is always sorrow even if you don't know the wise know that there is sorrow i forgotten the 
um, original Sanskrit which says for those who are unwise uh, for ordinary mortals there is pleasure and pain in life for those who are discerning everything is pain <laughs> for those who are discerning the, so that is the buddhistic approach those who are discerning those who look upon life carefully everything is painful um, Albert Camus myth of Sisyphus I think a famous uh, French existentialist so the first very fa famous first sentence of uh, that book is uh, the only important philosophical question is why should I not commit suicide right now he says <laughs> you see any sensitive thinking person uh, who is not crude who is uh, who thinks and understands what the what life is all about um, so there, there that question comes up that that's a very important uh, see these persons they feel the deep sorrow of life and therefore so this is the only solution is not in the world the solution is in spiritual life whether through devotion or through jnana whichever way the only real solution lies in uh, enlightenment in 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 god realization in devotion knowledge so um what happens he says when you are trapped in samsara what happens is i the very fact is why do we have this paradigm of karma why do we experience samsara think back to that example why did i experience africa and that lion and being chased by the lion and the terror and all of that the reason is the real reason is that sleep cut me off from the reality of my waking state if the reality is somehow hidden if we are ignorant our, about our reality then what happens is the possibility of error is there when you don't know it's a rope then there's a possibility of mistaking it for a snake when you don't know that it's a mirage then is the possibility of mistaking it for real water if you know it's a mirage already even if you see it you will not mistake it if you know if you are awake lucid dreaming then when you go into the dream i may even see africa and the lion again but i will not be mistaken at all when you see a movie very vivid and very realistic you know it's a movie so you are actually the, there is no error there uh, you will not be trapped in it but when we do not know that we are the thuria then what happens to you the consciousness who are actually the thuria what is presented to you body mind already preconditioned by many lives and a world in front of you mixture of good and bad it is very natural then this very consciousness not knowing its real nature asturiya takes itself to be this body mind what is the name in mandukya vishwa i am this waking person and then a particular name will come mr so and so or mrs so and so swami so and so so this is the and then the whole set of problems uh, friends relatives um, responsibilities and a life story all of it not real all of it is taken on oneself because we do not know the real self which is thuria then what happens the moment you take yourself to be this body mind waking state i am this body mind immediately one becomes knower doer and experiencer these are inadequate terms for pramata karta bhokta pramata means the knower how am i a knower through this mind through this body 
I see, I hear, I smell, I taste, I touch, I feel. So what's wrong? That's very nice. But the whole thing is wrong. Because what do I see? Africa. Then lion. Uh, the roar of the lion. Now, uh, you see, you are seeing. But all of it, first of all, there is no lion there. There is no Africa there. There is actually no, no body, no, not even eyes. The whole thing, the consciousness itself is channeled through this. And this seeing itself is also not, not, nothing wrong in it. It's only when you do not know yourself as the Thuriyam, then when you see yourself, you take this to be the only reality. The deeper level of this reality that I am that unchanging awareness, immortal awareness, that is not there. That, that's completely hidden. So I become, my identity is, I am the one I see, hear, smell, taste, touch. Then um, I see that I have so many limitations. I must get food and clothing and shelter and security. Lions may come at any time. So I, uh, I need to protect myself. Um, and there are things to be done. It's an imperfect life. I need to improve it. So improve it means my experience has to be improved. It must be a more comfortable experience, more secure experience, more pleasant experience. I must have the things to eat which I like. I must have uh, the things to see which I want to see, hear, smell, taste, touch. All of that I want to gather. Why? My experience must be better. It's unpleasant now. It's not good now. It has to be improved. This is called bhoga. I want better bhoga. To have this better bhoga, better set of experiences, I become the consciousness, becomes karta, the doer. Once I engage in action, karma comes. So you see the chain from ignorance, avidya, ignorance, comes desire, kama. Because in between what is there? Apurnatvam, lack of fulfillment. I do not know myself as the ever fulfilled Turiyam, pure consciousness. What do I know myself as? The never fulfilled waker. So this person who is never fulfilled. The ever fulfilled now looks upon itself as the never fulfilled. And now becomes a doer with the body and mind. From avidya comes karma, comes, from karma comes karma. Good and bad. That karma generates results. And now you have the chain. You have none escaped the law. And this is what he says is samsara. You say, what is wrong with that? You experience it. You see what is wrong with that. Limitation. We always have the feeling, I will be fulfilled. And it's, this is an intimation of our real nature, which is ever fulfilled. But we are trying it out in a wrong way. We are using this samsara to fulfill ourselves. It will never work. You go from a poorer state to a better state. And then back to a worse state again and again to a better state. Up and down it goes. Now individual level, so social level also. Until you realize that uh, this is an appearance. And samsara is not meant for that. You are ever fulfilled person. Somebody was asking. So if you are enlightened, if you know yourself as Turiya, then samsara is useless. A person would not have any use for samsara. And what would such a person do in samsara anyway in this world? Swami Vivekananda says that such persons are fit to live. Such persons are fit to live. We wander in the universe, wander around like hungry ghosts. This is the term used by Buddhism. Like hungry ghosts. Always trying to eat in this world through all our senses. Never satisfied. Whereas the, those ever satisfied souls, when they live in, sam, in samsara, they live a life of peace and uh, sweetness and giving and in tranquility, in purity, 
just look at i mean quite beyond all these dry philosophical things look at the lives of people you consider to be saints whether devotional or in the path of knowledge they are the ones who are fit to live in this world that's why vivekananda says so this is samsara we are trapped in samsara look at the verse here what does he say as long as you are caught in cause and effect karma good good and bad samsarasya tavadayata such to that extent is the spread of samsara once you come out of this then you will um, be free of samsara there will be no more samsara for you so how does this samsara come and how do you get out of it verse number 57 karika number 57 संवृत्या जायते सर्वं शाश्वतं नास्ति ते न वै सद्भावेन ह्यजं सर्वं उच्छेदत्तेन नास्ति वै अनदर ब्यूटीफुल वर्ड्स एवरीथिंग सीम्स टू बी बोर्न बिकॉज़ ऑफ दैट एम्पिरिकल आउटलुक देयरफॉर देयर इज नथिंग दैट इज इटर्नल फ्रॉम द स्टैंड पॉइंट ऑफ रियलिटी एवरीथिंग इज द बर्थलेस सेल्फ therefore there is no such thing as annihilation if you read it like that it sounds very <laughs> confusing and very dry and abstract but it's something very li- living and beautiful why does this happen why do i see samsara if i am pure consciousness why is there even waking dreaming deep sleep why are there phys- physical bodies subtle bodies why is there karma why is all this happening what is the reason the real reason is there's no reason because uh, the, there's no causal link between turiya and waking dreaming and deep sleep but anyway he answers samvrittya samvritti is an interesting term it's not a term which was which remained popular in vedanta though it is there at the very root of vedanta in, at at gaudapada's level in gaudapada's time it's a buddhistic term again you have to go back to nagarjuna about 500 years 600 years before gaudapada nagarjuna said the buddha taught two truths dvesha satye deshitam two truths have been taught by the buddha satyam samvrittim satyam cha paramarthikam satyam cha samvrittim cha so paramarthik satyam the truth that is um, absolute and the truth that is relative samvritti is relative relative truth and absolute truth so according to nagarjuna the four noble truths of buddhism buddha himself and things like dependent origination all those things in in buddhism all those things are relative truth including buddha including buddhism including nirvana all of those are relative truths and only by holding on to these relative truths one can go to the or realize the ultimate truth or the absolute truth which cannot be described in language so he says um samvrittim cha anashritya paramartham nadigamyate without taking refuge in samvritti in this samvritti level of truth one never attains to the absolute level of truth that is all nagarjuna 500 years before uh, gaudapada now notice gaudapada is using the same term samvritti why does samsara appear because of samvritti he says and shankaracharya helps us out here what is samvritti he says vyavahara loka vyavahara avidyaya loka vyavahara um, the by ignorance of your nature asturiyam that very turiyam appears as waker and waker's world and then you enter into transactions in this world 
you know, you go around a job, you have families, um, you do good and bad things. All of that is called Loka Vyavahara. One point I want to mention here, see the interesting transition between Samritti and Vyavahara. Later on in Advaita Vedanta, what were the terms? Paramarthika Satyam, Vyavaharika Satyam. Uh, the, I, the term Samritti Satyam disappeared, but it, it was replaced by Vyavaharika Satyam. And here you see the transition. When Gaudapada uses the term Samritti, Shankaracharya comments, explains it as Loka Vyavahara, the transactions of our, our um, you know, day-to-day life. And why do we engage in those transactions? Because of ignorance. Ignorance of what? Our real nature as Turiya. Samvrittya, because of Samvritti. Um, let me see. Because of Samvritti, Jayate Sarvam. All is born. Remember, now born within courts. The world and people and life. What is going on here? Creation, preservation, destruction. So, all of this appears to be. No more than the patterns of the firebrand. This entire universe of appearances. Was it actually true that uh, Africa was created and uh, the lion was born and then it grew up and one day saw Sarvapriyananda walking in the plains of Africa and decided to chase him? No. Nothing was born there. It's an appearance of the mind of Sarvapriyananda which is under sleep and dreaming. That's all it is. That's the real truth about it. But it still appears and it, it seems very tangible and very real. So, he says, um, because of Samritti, all of this appears. And one clue gives us, how do we know all this is unreal and the effect of ignorance? He says, nasti teina shashvatam, nothing here is eternal. Everything in this world is passing. It comes and goes. Whatever is born will die. Jatasya hi dhruvo mrittum. Um, uh, from the Bhagavad Gita. I remember many many years ago in the ashram in Deoghar I was a new brahmachari and my, I got the news that my father had passed away. So you, know, you have certain rituals you have to observe. Uh, so you go about barefoot and eat only once in a day and all of that I was doing. Now there was this, uh, you have to do it for 13 days or 14 days something like that is there. Um, so there was, there was this monk who was a very strict non-dualist, um, Vidyadhar Maharaj. And he used to stutter a little. And he was always in his own mood as a you know, strict Advaitin. He noticed, however, that this young boy, uh, this new Brahmachari is walking around like this barefoot and he's not, you're not supposed to shave, so you're not shaving and all of that. So he asked me, I still remember, he has passed away now. So he asked me, he had a little stutter. Uh, he knew Bengali, though he was Marathi though. Uh, he asked me, what happened? They're like, what, what's wrong? I said, Swami, I got the news that my father has passed. And so I'm observing these things. Um, that, uh, so that um, uh, f- the typical rituals you have to observe. And his only comment was, if you're born, you have to die. It sounds very brusque. <laughs> but I smiled when I heard it. He just uh, listened carefully and he said in Bengali, with his stutter, and then he walked off. If you are born, you will die. And it's, he put it in such a way, it sounded like the most natural thing in the world. So, 
No, nothing is eternal here. People die. And we will one day ourselves pass away. There is not, nothing terrible about that. Everything in the universe, including from the tiniest insect to the stars, they die. They, they come to everything comes to an end and begins all over again. Dhruvam janma mritasyacha. As long as you do not, you are not liberated, you go through this cycle. Nobody really dies also. I mean, from an Advedantic perspective, only the um, body dies. Today, I think in a yoga class, Swami Pitambaranji is quoted from Mahabharata. So, um, where Sanat Kumara, the Rishi, the young, you know, is a ever young Rishi, he comes and Dhritarashtra, the blind king, asks him questions. Says, O sage, what is death? And Sanat Kumara dismisses that thing. That he says, death is nothing, it's just a change of the body. That's not real death. You know, one body goes, you are still there and you have another uh, life. But he says, real death is inadvertence, mistake, error. Pramado vai mrityu. Pramada means error. Where does error come from? Error comes from ignorance. And here he is not speaking of just ordinary errors. He is talking about the fundamental error of our lives, thinking ourselves to be this limited body and mind. That's why we are trapped in samsara. So he says, there is a clue that this is all false, because nothing is eternal here. And we have discussed these things earlier. If something is born and something dies, it means it has gained existence and lost existence. It means existence is not intrinsic to that entity. It's not the very nature of that entity. So, uh, if it's the very nature of that entity, it will be immortal. It will not gain existence and lose existence. There is only one such thing, which is existence itself, Sat or Brahman or Turiyam. Everything else gains existence and loses existence, is born and dies, is produced and is destroyed. And that is samsara. He says, Nasti Shashvatam. How does one get out of it? By what meditation, what prayer, uh, what technology? How does one get out of it? In Silicon Valley, they are trying to, um, the, uh, huge amounts are being invested by billionaires. They have realized, they have become very spiritual insight is there, that uh, we have got billions now, but we are all going to die. So, what is the next thing to do? How to become immortal? But immortal in the body. So, they are trying to find out ways to stop aging and stop dying. So, whether it is immortality in the body or in some way, how does one get out of samsara? How does one get out of death? How does one attain to eternity? Um, Gaudapada says, Sadbhavena. Sadbhava means realization of the truth. You change your paradigm from the waker, dreamer, deep sleeper to the Turiyam. And how do you know that? Only by knowledge, only by realization. You ask, how do I get that realization? Tell me quick. Shravana, Manana, Nididhyasana. You have to keep coming to class, whether it's Zoom or actually physical class, whatever it is. And then thinking about it until it becomes clear and flashes. Oh, this is what I am. So, will they all this cease then? No. Yes and no. Yes, you will realize yourself as immortal. No, the movie will still continue. But you are safe from it now. You realize that you, it's not. You are safe from the lion. You don't have to do anything. If I ask in the dream, how do I escape this lion which is chasing me? By running faster or by climbing a tree? You see, there's a worldly means. Or by taking refuge in God who will save me from the lion? That's the other worldly mean, uh, religious means. Gaurapada says, realize what you are. What, what, I, what am I? The moment I snap out of it and sit up in my bed, the whole problem is solved. 
only difference, be careful here, the only difference is in the dream example, the dream disappears and you sit up, the whole thing is gone. There is no more uh, the dream, now it is replaced by the waking state. But in the case of Turiyam and Samsara, when you realize your Turiyam, the waking state will continue. It will still appear like this. If you have eyes, you will see. If you have ears, you will hear. Uh, you will smell, taste, touch, think. All of those things will continue. But you realize all of them are appearances of one consciousness which you are. There is nothing outside you. It is all within you. You will be saved from Dukkha. See, uh, there is another saying, in famous saying, Manusmriti. Sarvam paravasham dukkham, sarvam atmavasham sukham. Etad vidyat samasena lakshanam sukhadukhayo. Manusmiti, Manu says that everything that depends on others, where others have control over you, that's a source of sorrow for you. Everything that is under you, in your control, that will be, that is peace and happiness for you. This is in brief, the definition of sorrow and happiness. Now notice, if you are the waker, there is a lot that is not in your control. Almost the entirety of the universe. Other people are certainly not in your control, what they are doing and who are, who's going to listen to you. Your own body is not in your control. When is it healthy, when it is sick. Your own mind is not under your control. All of those according to Manu are now sources of sorrow for you. The world is a source of sorrow for you. Other people become source, potential source of sorrow for you. Your own body becomes potential source of sorrow for you. Your own mind most of all becomes potential source of sorrow for you. But when you are Turiyam, when you are the firebrand, all the patterns are nothing but you. Everything in this universe as Turiyam, waker and waker's universe, dreamer and dreamer's universe and deep sleeper's potential universe, the whole thing is Appearing to you the consciousness, one. In you the consciousness, two. And nothing but you the consciousness, three. To whom is this world appearing? To consciousness. Who is that consciousness? You. That is one. Where is it? Is it a separate world and you are consciousness separate like light and an object? No. It is in you the consciousness. There is no proof of anything outside. And if it is in you the consciousness, what is this world made of? Nothing but you the consciousness. And therefore, Atmavasham, the whole thing is now absorbed into you. You have eaten up the entire universe. The entire universe is nothing but you. Every person, good and bad, friend and foe, so-called, they are all you. And nothing but you. Sarvam Atmavasham Sukham, then everything is Sukha, everything is joy, everything is peace. Let me see. Um... Then what happens? nasti, And there is no, no death then. You have overcome death. This is real immortality. Once you have sadbhava, this, this paradigm of Turiya. So the paradigm of samsara or karma and paradigm of Turiya. Once you have the Turiya paradigm, sadbhava, there is no more death. Just one more point here. Again, I am thinking in terms of Buddhism. In Buddhism, when you ask what is the ultimate truth? Here it's e- easily you can say, oh Turiya. Brahman, Atman, so many words for it. Buddhism, they are very uh, antsy about giving a term to it. They will tell you, it is neither eternal nor uh, is, is, uh, is it uh, annihilation. Uh, Shashvata, no. 
uh, annihilation, ucheda, no. So here notice Gaudapada has said there is no eternity possible in worldly things. He just said this in the waking dreaming, nothing is eternal. So no, not Shashvata. And when you realize the Turiya, now Cheda, there is no annihilation for you. But notice, he could have said just the opposite. Worldly things are always subject to destruction and Turiya is eternal. But he does not use that term. He uses terms which are perfectly compatible with the Buddhistic terminology. According to Buddhism, it is beyond eternalism and beyond annihilation. So the world is that which is in annihilation, but it, it is not eternal. And Turiya is that which is eternal, but not, uh, it's not subject to annihilation. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that. One more verse and then we will take the questions. 58. Dharma yeti jayante jayante na tattvataha janma mayopamam tesham sacha maya na vidyate But still, why? Oh, let me read the translation, sorry. The entities that are born thus are not born in reality. Their birth is that of a thing through maya or magic and that maya again has no reality. So, why at all waking, dreaming and deep sleep are appearing? Turiya could well just be Turiya. Somerset Maam, the English novelist once went to India and he visited Ramana Maharshi also. Um, so, he discusses Vedanta in one place, that Brahman created the universe and in his, in his dry humor he writes that I felt Brahman could have let well enough alone, shouldn't have created this universe. Uh, so, why does all this universe appear at all? We have said ignorance, now he is giving a little more uh, shape to that answer. That actually nothing is created, dharma means uh, this consciousness which is appearing as jivas, they are not really born nor is the universe born in reality. So their seeming birth and all this going on, this, this seeming universe, birth, existence, death, it is all due to maya. Here maya is used in the sense of magic. It is not the fully developed theory of maya which you come across in Shankara Vedanta and post Shankara Vedanta. It is just you can see it emerging. So here he is using it alternately for, for magic or just for an illusory appearance. So, it is born as if in, you think, you see things being born in, in magic shows. I think Gaudapada must have seen lots of magic shows. He often uses this example. Similarly, things in the world are born because of Maya. Now, immediately there will be a question. If there is Maya, hey, wait a minute, you just said Turiya or Brahman is the only thing, non-dual. Now, you have introduced one more thing, Maya. Uh, and he immediately anticipates that question and he answers, Maya sana vidyate. Very important indication of what Maya is. The future theory of Maya quickly takes this up. What is Maya? Ya, ya ma sa Maya. That which is not. Maya has no independent existence. Brahman alone exists. Because of Maya, the world appears. And Maya also has no independent existence. Maya is also Maya is false. So is the product of Maya false. So this is you are escaping <laughs> the question. No, not really. He will give an example. Let's read the next verse and we'll stop. He'll give an example of how this works. Fifty-nine. Yatha maya mayad bijat jayate tanmayongkuraha 
नासौ नित्यो नोच्छेद वेत नासौ नित्यो नोच्छेद तद्वर्मेशु योजना ओके उच्छेदी एज गिवन नासो नित्यो ना उच्छेदी एज फ्रॉम अ मैजिकल सीड ग्रोज अ स्प्राउट इक्वली इल्यूजरी सी माई एज यूज दिस मैजिक एज फ्रॉम अ मैजिकल सीड ग्रोज अ स्प्राउट इक्वली इल्यूजरी इट बींग नीदर इटर्नल नॉट डिस्ट्रक्टेबल सो जस्ट सो इज द लॉजिक ऑफ बर्थ एंड डेथ एप्लीकेबल इन द केस ऑफ ऑब्जेक्ट्स थिंक अबाउट इट इन द ड्रीम सपोज माई ड्रीम वेयर सपोज देर इज अ सीड एंड फ्रॉम दैट वन ट्री हैज कम now the tree has been produced from a seed which is in the dream the tree is a dream tree that it's it has no existence apart from it apart from my dream it was just dreamt up what about the seed will you say the cause of the tree the seed is something real in the waking state there was a seed and then only in the dream state a tree came up not at all the dream tree will come up from a seed in the dream the dream seed produces a dream tree it is a dream clay which will produce a dream pot it is a dream um, um, gold which will produce dream ornaments so the cause and the effect maya and its products both must be of the same level of reality brahman is paramarthikam the absolute and maya and its products are vyavaharika transactional or in godapada's terms samvritti what's the point talking about maya does not make it dualistic it will become dualistic only if there is a second thing apart from brahman maya is not a thing maya is not a substance maya is not a reality of the nature of brahman um i have often said this the first thing we were memor- we used to memorize when we were vedanta students from vedanta sara huh? definition of reality and unreal what is real what is unreal vastu satchidananda madvayam brahma reality is non dual sat chit ananda brahman brahman which is existence consciousness bliss and non dual is the reality agyanaadi sakala jada samuha avastu all the insentient universe starting from agyan or maya from maya downwards everything is not real is an appearance so non duality is preserved okay as promised and stop now jayant can you tell us who has raised the hands Maharaj, uh, yesterday you were talking about the theory of non-origination. You said Brahman has absolutely nothing to do with the universe. I yes. That's what you said? Yes. Uh, I was thinking of a uh, uh, chant that we do every, after every class originally. Yes. Pur Namada, Pur Namidam. Yes. Pur Namada today. And as I understand that it says, this flows out of that. Yes. This the universe flows out of that Brahman. Now, th- this you know precedes uh, Shankara by many millennia. Millennia, yes. But is Shankara, or is this theory, Advaitic theory, contradicting this, or or th- are these ideas consistent? Somehow? They're consistent. What Gaudapada would do would say is that the universe emerges from Brahman, is established in Brahman, and disappears back into Brahman. this is a provisional teaching given to those for whom it's too incredible to think that there's no universe it's only all brahman but ultimately you must come you must let go of this emerging from and going back into that's causation 
Brahman actually does not cause an universe to come into being. Brahman actually does not destroy the universe which has come into being. Uh, Brahman alone was, is and will be. Now if you look at the, look at what you are chanting. Purnamadaha Purnamidam, Purnat Purnamudachyate. This is infinite or the whole and that is also infinite. From the infinite has, from that infinite has come this infinite. Purnasya Purnamadaya, when you recognize or take the infinite in this, when you recognize that infinite in this, Purnameva Vashishyati, the infinite alone exists. If you consider what is being said here, it's exactly what Gaudapada is saying. This is infinite, that is infinite. That means Brahman, the ultimate source. And this means what we are experiencing now. Now, are there two infinites? No. Then what is the relationship between this and that? He says, this has come from that. It arises from that. All right, this seems to be like a theory of creation. And dualistic religions, dualistic Vedantic um, philosophies immediately grab this. But notice what is said next. Purnasya Purnamadaya. By accepting or taking or, or finding the infinity in this, that infinity in this. Or finding the infinity in infinity. See, we have access only to this infinity. That means this world. That's what we have access to. Here itself you have to discover that infinity, Turiya. When you discover that infinity here, infinity alone exists. Nothing else is left over. Turiyam alone remains. Which means what you thought of as a separate world, which you intermediate thought of as having come from, that, from God, that has no, no substance of its own. The only substance is that of God or Brahman or Turiyam. That was, is and will be. In between, see the, the, what we call as this world, it appears to be a substantial reality. And the substantial reality of this world is being denied in this, uh, this Shanti Mantra. It seems like a lot of fancy footwork. You might, but you have to think what it means. By not, just take, consider a simple thing. If you gain enlightenment and freedom by knowledge, moksha, by knowledge, what does this mean about bondage? What kind of bondage is it that is overcome by knowledge? If you are tied by a real rope and somebody comes and unties you, we see. You have, you have been physically bound and you are physically released. No amount of thinking will release you there. But if knowing something sets you free, what does that tell you about the nature of your bondage? What were you bound by then? What do you think? The world, whether it's real or a dream, even a dream has its own reality. And Wait. Knowledge sets you free. Even in the Bible, the truth shall set, uh, set you free. If you, uh, if no you, doubt. yeah, the know that the truth but shall. But if you if you literally take it, that's what Advaita is claiming. If you take it seriously, when can the truth set you free? The truth by itself. It means you are already free. You just somehow don't know it then that's the direct interpretation without any footwork. The truth sets you free directly. It's like the uh, man who thought that the tenth man, their friend, was dead. And the truth set him free from that sorrow. Whereas, the truth will set you free if you go to the dualistic religions. They will have to do a lot of supplement. Yes, you have to know the truth. 
then you have to practice it, you have to meditate, you have to worship, you have to surrender, you have to love God and then God will come and set you free, uh, maybe come in a chariot and take you to heaven or if it's more sophisticated, God by the grace of God, the bonds of your karma will be, will be uh, destroyed and you will realize your true divine nature and you will merge with God, something, some kind of action is going on there. There's something more to be done after knowing the truth there. But here in Advaita, the truth will set you free. I think it's absolutely direct. Except that to be qualified to know that truth, you have to go through all those stages anyway. Uh, yes, that is true. That is still, still there. Otherwise, it, it won't work. It will just remain as uh, very clever, you know, you said, clever philosophy and clever footwork. Yeah. But we're stuck with the, the idea that there is this empirical universe, the Atbaharika, and we're left without an explanation for you know, where it comes from. Yeah, th so this is what we have to go through this again and again. That's why uh, Gaudapada is spending so many verses on denying exactly this. He says there is no answer to this question and the question doesn't even make sense. It seems to make tremendous sense to us. And that's why um, all those explanations are given. That there is an ultimate reality which creates this reality. And the whole point is to somehow bring you in touch with the spirit. Call it God or your inner spirit, uh, spirit, the Atman, whatever it is. That's what liberates you. And uh, all these explanations are necessary because this world is all that we have. And if you talk about the spirit, God, Brahman, then the, naturally the question comes, how is it related to my world? So the first and easiest answer is, that one created this. What you see that one has created this, is the master of everything here, everything here depends on that one. And from an Advaitic perspective, these are not wrong, but they are not, they don't go far enough. So I like the idea that it's all a Leela, this is God's play and he enjoys the process of realization. True, the answer is Leela, it's a kind of extraordinary divine aesthetic enjoyment. Like you would, once you realize it's a movie, would you shut down the movie and walk away? Oh, it's just a movie, no. Now you really enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. Right. Even the tragedy you enjoy it. Yes. yes. But in, and not as long as you are trapped in it. Yes. Who else is asking a question? Jayant? Prabhupada, uh, you are next. Maharaj, if Pranam, according to the verses 54 and 55, a dualist, for a dualist, there is no moksha. 54, 55. What, what was said in 54, 55? Because there is cause, cause and effect. As long as, because cause and effect would be there. Yes. So, the as long as you are trapped. But dualist is not cause and effect. Uh, dualist is a person who is trapped in cause and effect, who takes cause and effect to be real. But who is a dualist? Who reg feels that there is a God apart from, who is beyond cause and effect? There is a God, there is an Ishwara, who is separate from from the Jiva Jagat. That's what Dvaita means. Dualism means that. So, who has a belief in that? And that, that Ishwara, is Ishwara beyond karma or under karma? I am Jiva in under karma according to the dualist. But Ishwara is beyond karma or within karma? No, Ishwara is beyond karma. Ishwara is the Karmad, Karmad, uh, Karmadhisha, the Lord of karma. I am Karmadhina. I am the, under the domain of karma. This is what the dualist believes. Notice, even the dualist, to get liberated, has to catch a hold of something which is beyond cause and effect. 
ಜನ If you understand it a little better, it's telling you that you'll have this extraordinary mystical experience. It seems like mysticism. That's when many people stop, those who read Vedanta. If you go even further, not even mysticism. It's, it's actually a philosophical insight into uh, the reality. So, I mean, Vivekananda says, it, he calls it philosophy. But even further, if you go, if you really, really understand what Vedanta is doing, it is just describing the natural state of an enlightened person. An enlightened person would not say it is philosophy or mysticism or religion, not at all. An enlightened person would say, that's, yeah, that's right. This is exactly it. This is what, I, what, what, what is absolutely evident to me. Yeah. And on the other hand, Advaitin also, he needs God's grace to, to realize this. Isn't it? To realize it, see, realize means what? To overcome obstacles. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the question? So, is, so yeah, I think, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> I See, have to think this through. How did it work for me? Think about my state. I descri- Do you remember the dream I described? Yeah. So, how did it work for me? I was trapped. I, I tried all worldly means from escaping for the, from that lion. I ran for my life and I climbed the tree and the lion chased me and I could, that did not work. The lion was about to catch me. Then finally, I tried the otherworldly means, alokika, which is, I, uh, I surrendered to Sri Ramakrishna, to God. Uh, I am helpless, save me. God saved me. But how did God save me? Did he kill the lion or something like that? No. He snapped me out of it. I woke up. That's the way God saves you. Uh, that story about Ramana Maharshi, that uh, a devotee of Narayana goes to Ramana Maharshi and uh, says, See, this who am I, it is interesting, but I don't like this approach. I am, I love Narayana. Is it all right? Ramana Maharshi said, yes, yes, it's all right. Godapada would say, Alpa Dosha. It is wrong, but not too wrong. I will give you grace marks, you will pass. Uh, then the man said, if I, after death, will I, will I see, will I go to Vaikuntha, heaven and see Narayana, will I see God? He says, yes, you will see God. Oh, I will see God. Will God see me? Yes, Narayana, God will see you. Oh, God will see me. Will God look at me? Yes. And will God speak to me? Narayana will speak to me? Yes. What will Narayana say? What will Narayana say? And Ramana Maharshi said, Narayana will say to you, find out who I am. Who am I? Find out who am I. <laughs> so, ultimate blessing of God is enlightenment, you realize. Of course, this is the Advaitic perspective. A Vaishnava devotee or Shakta devotee will not agree with this. Samsara still remains for the Daita, isn't it? Do others? No. He, 
now it is it's leela but you know for for example an advaita when he's enlightened he, he sees the sums you know he has he has a way to deal with the samsara hmm. but how does the dualist so he deals it as a leela leela of god and complete dependence on god it's god's wish dwaitin also has a way uh, i say advaita gives strength we say but one swami who's uh, devotional uh, he said to me well you are, i was a brahmachari at that time you're saying this but i find devotion gives me strength so tumi bolcho bote amar kintu bhaktitei ami ami bol pai all right next this relates to the samasat mom quote why why couldn't brahman have left well enough well enough alone <laughs> and i think it also relates to the point bill was making um saint teresa said something like it appears that god himself is on the journey and sometimes vedanta makes it sound like the creation is a mistake and that we should get out of it as quickly as possible and that it would be better if it had never happened in fact i guess god upon us as it didn't happen um but don't you think there might be some grand cosmic purpose to it and that as as parts of it we are participating in that purpose is there a purpose the grand cosmic purpose the ultimate purpose of all things is to be enlightened to wake up what's the purpose of a dream first of all most important urgent task is to wake up and realize it's a dream after that if you want to continue a lucid dream that's fine but to to be in a dream and not know in a dream is to expose yourself to terrible danger which is some which is the nature of creation and after all if it is true that you are brahman not know that you are brahman and be under the delusion that you are a limited being of a bundle of flesh and blood this is an error why would anybody want to be in error be free of that error and then enjoy as many samsaras as you like then it's no longer samsara it's the play of the play of the divine or whatever you call it okay so could you say that um a universe in which people have gotten enlightened and woken up um is better in some sense than no universe whatsoever in other words there's value ah. added to ah. creating the universe and having people and getting involved and get enlightened in it i would say what is better in fact what is the best brahman is the best you are the best not the universe take your eye off trying to find good and better in the universe the good and the better and the best are all within you and then then you see this universe as an as expression of brahman your real nature and you will find beauty and joy wherever you look but remember it's all your beauty and joy it's not the not uh, does not belong to the universe it borrows it from you then it's joy then it's you being brahman yes you being brahman um let's put it this way logically when somerset mom says brahman could have let well enough alone that means all right be pure being pure awareness uh, that does not imply that you have to be multiplicity and uh, divisions and all of this the many why should the many appear even if it's an appearance even if it's false appearance movie why is there a movie at all if you ask consider this logically there are two possibilities brahman can appear or not appear it could appear as something or not appear as anything at all and notice both of these are happening throughout our day we have the waking world where this waking universe appears and a dream world in our minds a subtle universe appears dreams and the blankness of deep sleep when nothing appears and at the cosmic level uh, there is creation and this entire universe and dissolution where there is nothing except god and maya 
So, the two logical possibilities, a universe or no universe, these are the two possibilities. When you ask the question, why is there anything at all? Uh, why, why is the Turiya or Brahman at all? There is no question about that because Brahman is something necessary. It, it cannot not exist. Um, so, Brahman will be there. But why is there a universe at all? The two only two possible answers are there could be a universe or there could be no universe. And when you look at your experience, you see both. Both are realized. Yeah. Right. Good for now. Yes, thank you. Jayant. Yeah, uh, so Swamiji, ignorance is in the mind. But the knowledge, Sadhavena, will also come in the mind. Yes, it will come in the mind, correct. And so, mind is in the realm of Maya. Yes. And the transcendence is our goal, but can we totally exclude the experience of that which is transcended? I don't understand. That. Uh, see, mind is within the realm of Maya. Ignorance is within the realm of Maya. Even the knowledge of Brahman, Brahmagyana, that's also within the realm of Maya. That's also within Maya. Only Brahman is not within the realm of Maya. And that Brahman, you are. What was your question? So, uh, like our goal is to transcend the suffering of this life. But can we totally exclude the experiences which we are having now, which we have to transcend? Totally exclude means, can you explain what, what are you thinking? That there will be no experiences after okay. transcending? Totally, ex you will not exclude anything real. See, as I have said again and again, remember, enlightenment does not mean erasing the world. Enlightenment does not mean wiping out the experience of the universe. Enlightenment does not mean switching off the movie. Oh, I realize it's a movie, let's switch it off. No. The fact that you realize it's a movie now makes you fit to watch the movie for the first time. If you are immersed and trapped as a, as a creature in that movie, then you would be in terrible danger. But once you realize that it's a movie, now you can watch it. You can watch it as many times as you like. You can watch different kinds of movies. You can even watch a tragedy and horror movie. And all of that would be aesthetic enjoyment for you. So, in Advaita Vedanta, let's put it this way. The way Gaudapada is speaking, it seems like he's trying to erase every bit of the universe. It's not at all so. He is just changing our paradigm. In fact, who tries to erase the universe? The yogi tries to erase the universe. Patanjali yogi, nirvikalpa samadhi, asampragyata samadhi, he shuts out the experience of the universe to realize the soul within, the purusha within. That's the goal of Patanjali yoga. What does Advaita Vedanta try to do? What is Godapada telling us? Uh, one Swami put it this way. Um, Advait pratiti ko mitane ke liye nahi hai matma ji. Advait aapko vyavahar mein nirbad banata hai. What a beautiful and powerful saying. What does it mean? Advaita is not for wiping out the experience of the world, O monk. Advaita makes you limitless in this world. Nirbad means without obstruction. Without obstruction. What happens is our present existence as a jiva is very constricted. I am this and not these. These are other people. And I have to protect this little body. And I have to, um, uh, you know, um, bring all the goods of this world 
pleasures and money and achievement, name and fame and put it at the altar of this little idol of flesh and blood. This is my terrible little constricted ex uh, existence. What Advaita does is makes you absolutely limitless. All this is you. I am this infinite awareness. Uh, suppose I could lucidly dream and understand uh, that Africa experience which I had. So, I am not only this, this Swami walking on the plains of Africa for God knows what reason, but I also realize, oh, then I am the plains of Africa also. I am the tree also. I am the lion also. I am the sky also. And I am the fun of the lion chasing the poor man. <laughs> All of that I am, literally so, not imagination. Imagine living like that in the waking world. You are not the waker, you are the Turiya. In you, the waker and the waker's world appears. And now the game begins. Do you will have no more fear of anybody or anything, not even death. You will have no more greed that I need these things. You will have no anger with anybody. Everybody is your most beloved because it is you alone in that form. Think about it. So that is, it is the most vibrant form of living, Advaita Vedanta. Not erasing um, experience of the world. Have, Swami Vivekananda says, what is the way? He says to divinize life itself. To see divinity in everybody and everything that you are in. That's what Gaudapada is telling you. He, Swami Vivekananda says, so do I have to kick out my husband and wife and children uh, like a brute? No. He says, see God in the husband, see God in the wife, see God in the children, in the friend and the foe, in happiness and illness. How do you do that? That's what Gaurapada one Manduki is teaching you. Hmm. Swamiji, um, I, I uh, wrote this question down because I, I want to say it exactly so I don't seem irreverent in any way. But anyway, the question is, about Buddhism, there is a joke that ends with the punchline, it's turtles all the way down. In other words, Questions cannot be answered after a point, so stop asking. And as we were discussing earlier, in Advaita too, there are questions that cannot be answered, so should not be asked, or are simply wrong, or you should move beyond them. I mean, things like what exactly is Maya? Why the subjective world? Why waking, sleeping, dreaming? Whose dream is this waking dream? I mean, it seems to me that that's sort of the list of questions that cannot be asked. But at the same time, could you... it, it strikes me that this is the equivalent of turtles in the sense that instead of turtles it's consciousness all the way down it's jagat mithya is the is the answer to any of these questions hmm. is that is that correct am i thinking about this yes but see if you push it further along um you know what gaurapada will finally say a, a dualist says god created the world yeah uh, you know yesterday we were discussing the relationship between consciousness and matter so, the materialist scientist says matter created consciousness. Religions say consciousness or God created matter. Um, if you go a little further, you come to something like um, um, Advaita, traditional Advaita, which says um, it is Maya, as Gaurapada is saying, the universe has never been created, it's an appearance. It, there is no, it, there is no talk of real creation. There is no real second thing apart from Brahman ever. Okay, that sounds uh, more sophisticated. But suppose you push even further there. If you ask, all right, I understand that the universe is an appearance. But let's ask why? Why an appearance? Uh, 
answer will be Maya because you can already see the answer coming. Answer is Maya. But if you ask why Maya? Then the answer will be as Vivekananda also says, the question itself is wrong, you cannot ask this question. But suppose you ask at that point, why is the question wrong? Like an obstinate little five-year-old, you keep asking why? You can do that. Why is the question wrong? Why Why do you need to stop asking? Why is this question wrong? If you can show me the question is wrong, I'll stop asking. The question is wrong. Um, I have discussed this earlier also. Notice when you are asking why, what are you asking for? Look at the, now we are, we are asking a meta question. What is, look at the structure of the question. Why? Why is this question wrong? Why was there creation? Maya, why is Maya there? When you are asking why, what sort of answer will satisfy you? You are asking for a cause. Why is the grass wet? Because it rained. Why did it rain? Because of the clouds. Why are there clouds? Because of evaporation, so on. Because you need, you need a cause. If you, if you are given a satisfactory cause, you, you think you have found the answer. Otherwise, you will ask why again. right? Now, why can you not... All the questions about why are entirely valid in the realm of cause and effect. Because there is a cause. Whether you know it or not, you are asking for the cause. But... When you ask this question about Maya, why Maya? What is Maya? The constituents of Maya are times are said to be time, space, and causation. Desha, Kala, Nimitta. Now, when you ask why Maya, the question is wrong because it's like asking, um, for example, about time. What was there before time? When you ask what was there before time, the question is wrong. Why? Because you are assuming time. Before and after are time words. Past tense and present tense, and so or future. So before and after, you see, when you ask a question, what was before time, you are already assuming the presence of time. You cannot, you are not thinking of a world before time anyway. Before and after assumes time. If you are asking what is outside space, you are already assuming space. Outside, inside means space. If you ask why causality, you are already assuming causality. If you are asking why, why causality? You're asking for a cause of causality. You're already assuming causality in that case. So a why question can be asked after accepting causality. When question can be asked after accepting time. Where question can be asked after accepting space. But if you're saying that Turiyam is beyond time, space and causality, there can be no why link between Turiyam and Maya. Think about it. Mm. I mean, it's, it, it's not satisfying emotionally, but satisfying logically. I find it satisfying logically. Yes, yeah. it does. Yes. Yeah. I, I have a slight follow-up question now, and that is, can you say that time, space and causality actually exist within consciousness, but are revealed only by the prism of Maya, if you would, just like an optical prism reveals white light to be, uh, you know, many colors? Um, no. They do not exist within consciousness because within consciousness only consciousness exists. There's a, there's a saying in Hindi. Uh, you understand Hindi? Uh, it says, What exists? This, it's impossible to translate into English. Tasatas means packed without the tiniest gap. It is existence, consciousness, bliss or sat, pure being. A tiniest gap in sat would mean non-existence. 
where they will say in their colloquial Hindi and Uttarakhand, where is the space for anything other than Brahman to exist in Brahman? If time exists in a gap in Brahman, a gap in Brahman is non-existence, time would be non-existent. So the only way time or space or uh, causation can exist in Brahman is as an appearance. Rekha ji. Rekha ji. You need to unmute yourself. Oh, sorry, Pranam Swamiji. Namaste. Uh, Swamiji, you have always said that realization sort of happens in a flash. You know, when it happens, of course, through Shravanamanana, it is possible. But it happens and one gets to know that, yes, you've realized what it is. Is it possible that through the process of Shravanamanana Nidhithasan, your perspective of things keeps on changing? And while you may not be realized, uh, well, at least one isn't, that the way one starts looking at things, you really start enjoying life more. You don't get, uh, you know, as seriously affected by things as one was. Certainly, certainly. Absolutely. But what is that? That is, that is a deepening. Once you have an understanding of this teaching, what happens through Shravana, Manana, Nididhyasana is uh, a deepening of that understanding. Ultimately, realization is nothing more, in the path of jnana, in the path of knowledge I am speaking, realization is nothing more than the deepening of the knowledge which we are acquiring here. Right now, it may feel to be, um, I sort of vaguely get what he is saying. If you repeat it and you stay with it, you will get a clarity. Oh, I, I am clear about what is being said here. Then if you hold on to it, you will get conviction. Oh, I am convinced about it now. I mean, I can see no other way out of it. That conviction itself depends into what might be called realization. On the way, you will find the bonds of samsara loser. In fact, Upanishad, the word Upanishad is defined by Shankaracharya in his commentary in, on Katha Upanishad. He defines the word Upanishad. Uh, he says, gives three meanings there. One of them is a loosening of the bonds of samsara. Over time, even before enlightenment, um, you breathe easier. You are not so much troubled by samsara. Certainly, and this is a very good sign. Thank you, sir. Hmm. Uh, yes, Jayant. Uh, yes, That's it. Let me just... Uh, there will be many comments. We'll go to the comments, but let me just uh, do just a couple of verses, which is very easy actually. So the last verse which we did was fifty-nine, sixty, sixty. Najeshu sarvadharmeshu shashvata 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 bhidha yatra varnana vartante vivekas tatra nochyate with regard to all the birthless entities there can be no application of the words eternal and non-eternal no categorical statement can be made with regard to an entity where words do not apply so he says najeshu sarvadharmeshu those all, all the jivas who are by their very nature Turiyam, you cannot say 
whether they are um, eternal or non-eternal because they are um, pure consciousness turiyam you might say okay i understand why they are non-eternal you cannot say because bodies are non-eternal they are born and they die the worlds are non-eternal they are born and they die but why is turiya uh, no, you can you can say it is eternal don't you always say nityam eternal actually even for turiya you cannot say eternal because be careful here i'm not saying that turiya can die it is to remove the error that turiya is within time you say eternal but what it really means there is um, that it is not within time when you say turiya is eternal it does not mean there is a long period of time and all the time Turiya is hanging around. So, it is an eternal sort of guy. <laughs> Not like that. Time itself is an appearance in Turiya. Space itself is an appearance in Turiya. So, it is put this way. Only by accepting time we say Brahman is eternal. Only by accepting space we say Brahman is all pervading. Only by accepting all entities we say Brahman is everything. Sarvam Brahmamayam. But that Sarvam you have already accepted. That space you have already accepted, then sarva vyapi, all pervading. Time you have already accepted, then only nityam. But in Brahman in itself, if you accept time, space and all entities, you have already accepted maya. So, you are already, when you are speaking all pervading, eternal and um, uh, which is everything in this universe, you are basically speaking about saguna brahman, Ishwar or God. Nirguna brahman is beyond all this. So, you actually should not even say it is eternal, all-pervading. All-pervading means what? Pervading what? There is nothing else other than uh, Nirguna Brahman. All things are, everything is God. So, that was the exact point of dispute between Mary Hale and Swami Vivekananda. So, um, she wrote a poem to Swami Vivekananda saying that, I have understood what you have taught. You have taught that all is God. And Swami Vivekananda wrote back saying, I have never taught such strange doctrine. And he was humorous. The old Indian story that after hearing entire uh, Ramayan, the people are going back home and somebody asks, so who was Sita? Who is the Sita? Who is Rama? You have heard the Ramayan, the whole story. And he writes in the poem, a very, very funny poem if you read it, that after hearing in the days of old, uh, after hearing uh, Ramayan, the villagers are going back home and somebody asks, pray who was Sita weeping and pining? <laughs> Similarly, you are saying that I have taught you all is God, I have never taught such strange doctrine. So, Mary Hale was confused. She says, you have actually said this. These are your words. You have taught that uh, everything is God. So, I am Vivekananda said, what I meant was that God only is, everything is not. This is what uh, Gaudapada is saying. From the perspective of Brahman, Brahman only is, everything is not. It, what all the everything then, which continues to appear, is an appearance of Brahman. It's not that there is everything and somehow Brahman is full, has been filled into those things. No, only Brahman. From the perspective of waves, thousands of waves. From the perspective of water, waves are nothing but water. Though waves continue to appear. It's not water plus waves. 10,000 waves in the ocean plus water. So, are there 10,001 things? No, no, no. The moment you introduce the term water, it is all water and appearing as 10,000 waves. You don't have to make the waves disappear. Let it be water. Let the waves be there. It's still water. I don't know if that answered the questions. Yes. Hmm.
So, language, oh, did I read out the, did I read out the verse number 60? Yes. So, there is no question of uh, eternal, non-eternal uh, for, for Brahman. It is beyond eternal and non-eternal. And he says, language cannot be used. Yatra varna navartante. So, there is language does not apply to Brahman. It is beyond language. Why is it beyond language? It is a full talk in itself. I have given a talk, I think. Advaita and the paradox of language. Why language does not work? Why language works within Maya, within the realm of duality? Language is designed in that way. But language cannot directly talk about Brahman. Uh, I don't know if you remember the five things that language can do and none of them apply to Brahman, all those things I discussed. Uh, but we discussed it in the seventh mantra also, long, long time ago, two years ago, I think. Uh, now, I'll stop here. Um, this is a logical point to stop because another different kind of example will be taken up next. Uh, let me look at the chat. Is anybody there who has asked questions? No, let me look at the chat then. There are a lot of comments here. Um, so, Babu is saying a few days ago, someone asked, how does one see a red flower, another sees a different color, explained it. One candlelight placed in jar with multiple holes. How is it that all individual beings see the same colored flower, if there is not an objective reality? We all see and experience the same world. Some of you are smiling, like, I know the answer to this one, you should. <laughs> we have discussed this in second chapter, Gaurapada using the dream example. What is the criterion of reality? One objection was very uh, this very question the, that how is there intersubjective experience if there is not an objective world? We are different people and we all agree here is a flower. If the flower is in my mind, how is it that you are all seeing it? What is in my dream only I see, but you don't see it. So there is this flower that we are all seeing that you all agree in the Zoom. How many people are there? Uh, 51. 51. 50 people agree that we are all seeing the Swami. How is it possible if it is all in my mind? The answer is consider the dream also. In the dream also there is intersubjective experience. When you sit down with your friends to have coffee in, in a cafe uh, in your dream, don't your friends also agree in the dream that we are sitting in a cafe and having coffee? They, they are the subjects in your dream also have intersubjective uh, agreement. We are seeing the same thing. It feels normal. In your dream, if you are drinking coffee with your friend, does your friend say, where is the coffee? There is nothing. <laughs> no. He also behaves as if, when, in the dream, when uh, lion was chasing me. Uh, so, did, was the lion and I, were we both able to see the same tree? Yes. The tree, I was able to see in my dream and the lion was also able to see. There is intersubjective agreement in the dream also. Different subjects who are all in the same mind of the dreamer, they see the same thing. Similarly, here we are all in the mind of Birat, suppose, in the mind of Hiranyagarbha. We are all seeing the same world. There is a funny story. Shankaracharya, just a story. Shankaracharya is walking along a narrow village path. It must be Kerala in those days. And there are many elephants in Kerala. And somebody shouted, a mad elephant is coming, run, run, run. And the mad elephant came charging down, a maddened elephant. And Shankaracharya immediately climbed a tree. There are many coconut trees there, so he climbed a tree. Later on, he was going to the king's court. The king asked him, it's not a real story, just a story. The king asked him, Oh Shankara, I heard that uh, the elephant charged at you. 
and then you climb the tree to save yourself. But do you not say that the world is false? Then why did you try to, your also your body must be false. Why did you try to save yourself from a false elephant, save a fa false body from a false elephant? Then, then uh, Shankara replied, O king, you know that the elephant is false. I know that the elephant is false. But does the elephant know it is false? <laughs> it doesn't know. <laughs> anyway, just being funny. So, intersubjective experience is not a criterion of reality. In dreams also there is intersubjective experience. Cosmic dreamer, as Rick Archer says, yes. It is in this waking world is a dream for, like a dream for Hiranyagarbha, the cosmic dreamer. Isn't Nirvana ultimate reality? Maybe this is a reaction to what I said about Nagarjuna. Yes, but that is put forward as the ultimate reality by Nagarjuna says by the Buddha in Samriti Satyam. In the transactional reality, it is said that there is something called Nirvana which you need to attain. Now you are in samsara, then you will get Nirvana. This way it is taught. Follow the four noble truths, uh, eightfold path, and then you will attain Nirvana. And um, Nagarjuna says this is also transactional reality, Samriti Satyam. All right. Somebody, Ramya said bondage was never there. Exactly, I totally agree. Abhijit says, we enjoy scary rides in amusement parks. Exactly. As long as you know you are safe. <laughs> does the enlightened person give up learning or does learning drop off from him? What kind of learning? One realizes I am Brahman, but it depends on the nature of the mind. Some are scholarly by nature. Swami Ranganathanandaji kept on reading and studying till the very end of his life, almost till the last day of his life. I mean, the inspiring stories how he would study. He knows the ultimate reality of everything is Brahman. But the details of this world of Maya, are science is discovering them. You can enjoy science, you can enjoy religious texts, you can enjoy art and literature, certainly. Why causation surely sounds absurd. But if you ask why time and space, no, it is like asking um, uh, before time, uh, when time or where space. So, can one have conviction without complete understanding? No. Prabhira Babu asks a very good question. Can one have com conviction without complete understanding? No, no, no. One may have the feeling of conviction. That will be a belief. I strongly believe this. And that's good also. But it's not conviction. First, learning. Then clarity. Then conviction. That conviction will develop into realization. On that wonderful note, let us end. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupa Namastu